Welcome to Horror Makes Us Happy, a podcast where we ask the question, what is it about horror that makes us happy? Your hosts are Steve Becker and myself, Chris Whitman, and you can find out more about us at our website, horrormakesushappy.com. Before we get started, this is the trigger warning. We're going to be talking about horror culture and horror things, which could involve sensitive subjects, uh, you know, anything from offensive language, topics such as child abuse, murder, rape, there uh, will be F-bombs, I already said that, but that is the trigger warning. So that's that's the kind of stuff that we talk about here. But it is also a fun and interesting and intellectual show. So if that's your kind of thing, strap in. It's going to be fun. If not, uh, maybe give it a thought. You know, take a walk, walk about, come back, and listen to us talk about fucked up shit. Like that. Like that. We will be talking to authors Cody Goodfellow and Tyler Dupay, as well as director John Fallon, actress Rebecca Kennedy, and uh, this guy named Rodrigo Godinho, who's uh, just the CEO of Rumor. It's no big deal. That's in the near future. Today, we have the pleasure of the company of Dan Chase, founder of the Cut to the Chase podcast. Welcome to the show, Dan. Hey, thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. Don't know how much Lacey told you, but uh, basically the theme of the interview is we ask questions about your childhood, teenage years, and adulthood, uh, trying to understand what it is about horror that you love, sort of a pseudo-psychological profile thing, and then at the end we'll you know wrap up with a summary and see how close we get and just see what comes up, basically. Well, first of all, Lacey told me a little bit, but honestly, I listened to a lot of your episodes. This is a fantastic oh, oh, cool podcast i just want to say and the thank people, you thank you the people that you get on like they're they're obviously you got some big people some big names or whatever but uh what you two bring to the show is is fantastic i love the questions i love every bit of it oh thank cool. you cool well thank you and good to know that you know what you're getting into <laughs> yes oh yeah oh i'm ready to rock <laughs> all right well let's go what uh, starting with your childhood what are some of your earliest memories of scary things um scary things in my early childhood i mean it sounds pretty typical i guess but shit under your bed um mm. dark spaces stuff like that uh mm. running to the bathroom in the middle of the night you know <laughs> <laughs> to go pee or whatever uh i it, still just, do it down a dark right. hallway it's like you, you reach about the two-thirds mark of the dark hallway and you just you can't help it your pace just starts to quicken like ah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I guess it, it was pretty typical. Nothing too crazy, though. Nothing like traumatizing as a child that carried over into adulthood or anything like that. But pretty atypical okay. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Not not uncommon. Right. No particular media, though, that you remember or stories, books. Man, I can't pinpoint anything except this is the first time i can so this is what i usually go with um it was a nightmare on elm street part four uh behind the scenes uh vhs tape mm. and, and I, yeah exactly so you know learning how all this stuff was made and i always knew it's fake or whatever but to actually see you know the the animatronic spider and how, whatever uh however they did stuff that was even more intriguing uh, as a horror fan to see how all this stuff is done. And then you kind of backtrack and watch the, some of the uh, Elm street movies. And, and that's kind of where it all began for me. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. But obviously you were already interested in that stuff before she got that for you, I guess, because yeah. that's how she knew to get it for you. Right. 
Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I never shied away from it. I, I always thought it was intriguing and, and while scary, yes. Um, I've always found horror extremely cathartic and real life horrifies me more than anything. Uh, movies mm-hmm. ain't shit. Movies, the fucking soft spot movies, just <laughs> you know? So, and, right. and I've had some horrible traumatizing events that have happened in my life that any movie, I don't care what movie you bring me, nothing can, can get to you even, even as close as, as some of those things, you know? Well, let's talk about that in a minute. First, let me ask this uh, behind-the-scenes tape. How, about how old were you when she gave that to you? Um, so I had to have been five, five or six. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So even pre-K. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. I gotta say, though, that is pretty cool that you uh, you saw the behind-the-scenes stuff first. That almost, like, instantly uh, uh, didn't say that he saw that. You didn't say that he saw that first. Oh, okay. Yeah. He just said that he saw that on. It's the first thing he remembers. And you got to remember, well, yeah, yeah, true. I'm 37 years old, so it's you know uh, about you know the 1990 area, something like that. And mm. for me, you know, just having access to a couple channels, like how many channels did we even have back in the day? I don't even know. Like there was a couple, so the chance yeah. of me seeing something as compared to like now where you get all these streaming services, you could literally just click on anything, anytime. Um, I think mm-hmm. it was pretty subdued compared to what it is now, but anytime that I would see something, I was very, very intrigued by it. A lot of the stuff that I used to be into though, while not horror movies or, or, or whatever, I did find very dark and and scary, I guess, and intriguing. I mean, I, I know it sounds silly, but there's a scene in the 1990 movie uh, Ninja Turtles and uh, starring mm-hmm. Larry Feldman. And it just, it, little things like when Raphael comes out for the first time after he gets his side back and then he pulls it into the, you know, uh, around the corner and jumps out. I mean, that to me is, it just, it's dark imagery. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's the darkest movie or anything, but just things like that always intrigued me. And obviously, you know, as a kid, you start off with, I started off with like Power Rangers and, and Ninja Turtles and, and things of that extent. And I, I it's kind of weird, but it, the transition into the horror stuff, it was almost seamless. It wasn't necessarily, because I, I think of, a, you know, a shredder, the same as like mm-hmm. a Jason Voorhees. Like, what's the difference? They're, you know, they're all guys, uh, Uncle Phil in a mask, but like, they're all the same, they're all the same type of scary imagery uh, type of people. So for me, there's no defining, like this was a horror movie, that started it for me or whatever. I have horror movies that have definitely come later that have, that are staples in my life. But that early area in my life is, is a little fuzzy is exactly where it began. But I do remember the transition being pretty seamless. Okay. Okay. Two things. One awesome reference with uncle Phil for the, uh, the voice of uh, the cartoon <laughs> shredder as, as a nice little deep cut there. And um, I think you might be onto something there. It's, it's interesting. Like, do we somehow have an, uh, a subconscious introduction to things horror with other media? Because, yeah, like the lighting, the tone, the atmosphere, the soundtrack, other movies that are kids' movies, like like Ninja Turtles, you have certain scenes where there's just a, an eerie tone to it, maybe because they're bringing in the villain or this is a tense scene, and it's not even a horror yet, but you're, you're introduced to that dingy, low-lit 
alleyway scene that just kind of yes. gives you that horror or creepy vibe. Absolutely. Well, it's the evil part of it, and then the horror is just off screen. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Even like look at one of my favorite movies growing up uh was <laughs> Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Fucking large Marge, man. Like that was mm-hmm. like you look at it now and it's hilarious. But there's yeah. even like, dude, there's there's scenes in some movies where it's just like, oh my god, that's scary, but at the same time, equally intriguing, if not more. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, like get sucked into the darkness, so to speak. You know? I I've never been put off by it if i've ever been truly scared but i may have to like step back a minute but i know that when i when i go back in i'm coming in even harder because i want to explore those things that really truly fucking scare me you know Mm. yeah peewee's two things that everybody remembers from that are large marge and then maybe they might remember the tequila song yes or the or the bike i remember the rube goldberg machine that was pretty cool I don't remember that. You remember how he'd make his breakfast in the morning with the Rube Goldberg shit and it would like, you know, push this thing and that that, thing. Yes. Yeah. 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 Now that you mentioned that. Yeah. I remember now, (laughs) but, but had you asked me, I wouldn't have, you know, I couldn't have placed that. I want that bike. The Schwinn. Right bike. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Did you have any friends or family uh, when you were a kid who were fans of horror? Yeah, I did, man. Um, So, I moved to the place where I lived, you know, the most part of my life. I moved there around the same time. I want to say, you know, six, seven, eight years old, some around that area. I moved to uh, Cape Cod and moving to Cape Cod was big because if anybody knows, uh, Jaws was filmed on. That's the first thing that came to my mind. Right, right, right. So as soon as you enter that territory, it becomes like a rite of passage that if you live there, you have to know fucking everything about Jaws and you have to know the movie and stuff like that. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I, and I, I made a lot of friends. One of my first friends, I mean, was it straight up horror? No, but I remember, uh, I'm still friends with him to this day. He's, he's in all the same groups as I am still. One of my boys, uh, Russ Horn, he got me into, it was a lot of the action stuff, but like, predator stuff like that like really just kind of uh these iconic figures that you could include as like horror type figures so that was cool meeting people that were into it as well i was like oh this is like a thing you know and um and yeah i remember i just mentioned him actually it was weird the other day on another show um i met oh because we just watched evil dead 2 and i met my friend hans and you know, I'm a complete newbie. Like I, I would wear like, you know, in sixth, seventh grade, like corn t-shirts and stuff like that. I was never like a horror t-shirt cause it just wasn't my thing yet. And, uh, he would, he would show, he would come in and be like, dude, you gotta watch evil dead. He was like obsessed mm-hmm. with it. So I went and watched that because of him. I was fucking blown away by just what the hell that even was, you know? And, and it was just super intriguing to me. What else, man? I had, yeah, I had a lot of friends into a lot of different cool shit. And I remember when I moved, it was, it was kind of, you know, a whole new set of people telling me to, to, you know, get into this, that, the other thing. And, and I remember watching all the Friday the 13th movies from the first one, just obviously renting them from Blockbuster uh, with my mm-hmm. friend James and just doing overnight sleepovers. And we would binge watch these suckers over and over again. And, 
again, they were never really that scary to me. It was just, it was just more fun. Like, yeah, there were moments, but like, I never actually felt like, you know, uh, whatever, something was going to get me until I, I would play games with myself and allow myself to yeah. think that way. You know, you know, you can fuck, I, I can still do it today. I can fuck with myself and think somebody's out in my kitchen and completely freak myself out if I want to. You know, and I, I like to do that sometimes. I'm not gonna lie. I, I don't know why. I don't. I don't know what there is to say about that. But maybe I'm just testing myself. Who the fuck knows? <laughs> Did you participate in Halloween as a kid? Loved Halloween. Absolutely loved it. I'm I'm friends with with the the, the dudes that I went trick or treating with as a kid. Still, nice. to this day, love them. Like th- those are my boys. I so many fond memories. Halloween to me was always very sacred more sacred than christmas ever was it's just i I don't know like we celebrate horror movies all year long to a certain extent but then you really have a reason to do it accompanied with all the fun activities it seems like as the years go on too more and more people are just like halloween's my fucking favorite i'm like (laughs) high five uh there's just something magical about it and obviously it's got that darker side to it so it's like more badass than fucking Christmas could ever be, even with Krampus. So much more badass. Right. It's just Did you have a Yeah. Did you did you have a favorite costume when you were a kid? Uh my favorite costume ever was a fucking um uh, <laughs> a Rambo mask. A Sylvester Stone mask. <laughs> <laughs> it had the curly hair, it had the bandana. It was <laughs> it was the like it legit looked like Stallone. Like I loved it. Mm-hmm. I would wear that thing all the fucking time. Um, but then, yeah. Why was that one your favorite? I, it, it just, it looks, it looked exactly like him. I don't know. It was easy to put on. It, it had obviously that nasty ass latex fucking smell on the inside and stuff like that. But <laughs> I, I, I equate that smell to this day to, to, to good memories because it just takes me right back. You know, it's, it just brings me right back to those times. And it wasn't anything because, like, I was a big fucking Rambo fan or anything. I just, I love that fucking Stallone mask, you know? So when you say latex, I'm actually thinking, okay, so maybe this is a different kind than I had pictured. I was thinking, like, the hard plastic. But no. if you're talking latex, that's like the pullover. Yes, yes. Yeah, and, that, and that's probably mm. why, too, because I hate those uncomfortable masks. Like, who the fuck wants to do So, yeah, that yeah. one was sweaty as hell. But I remember that it, it it um it lasted a long time too. Like that sucker was around in my attic for years, and I think it got like melted or something up in the attic. Uh, whatever. Because by the end, it, it looked like fucking Stallone at the end of Rocky Three, just all beat up. And, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> Still looked like him, just different different movie. Yeah, right, yeah, just different exactly. <laughs> yep. Did you have a least favorite costume? Least favorite costume. Uh. I remember my mom tried to pull some shit and be like, oh, let's make your fucking costume. Those type of years. Hated those years. I'm like, this is an embarrassment to, to obviously this holiday, but, but to me as well. Yeah. Something about, I remember I wore some fucking janky ass, like towel as a cape. And I just remember being (laughs) really pissed, (laughs) like really pissed about it. I don't like to cheap out on Halloween shit. I mean, you know, I we may go to the dollar store and get all these cheap decorations, and so that's fun in itself. But uh, when it comes to costumes, like you 
got to go all in. You got to get the official, give me the most official Spider-Man costume you can fucking find. You know, um, mm-hmm. I was big into Batman. I had a couple Batman ones that, that I loved, but I remember one got destroyed, so I couldn't ever wear that. I had Superman pajamas that I, I know this isn't, I not really the question again, I'm going to my favorites, but I had Superman pajamas that had a fucking cape on it that I wore for Oh, Halloween. I did too. Did they have, were yes. they the feeding pajamas? Absolutely. Yep. Halloween's <laughs> <laughs> just so much fun, man. And obviously, like, the candy's great or whatever. But for me, it was just always very sacred. Like, even to this day, you know, taking off work the day after, making sure that you got a good mm-hmm. chunk of time off and you can mm-hmm. do all the things you want to do, watch all the movies you want to do. It's, it's, it's like a ritual. It's so sacred. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I still take the day off as if it yep. were, you know, like any other holiday, like Christmas or Thanksgiving. Like, no, this is an official holiday. I'm not going to work today. Fuck you. Right. <laughs> yes. The day after, too. Fuck November 1st. So I'm seeing one possible thing here. So Rambo, Batman, Superman. Do you have a thing for, like, heroes? Yeah. Yeah. Superheroes and villains? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm big into all that stuff. I see everything that comes out as far as. As far as, uh, well, all of that. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Uh, any scary dreams when you were a kid? Yeah, it was always, always Freddy dreams. And I still have them to this day. It's never been. Yeah. Like, I don't know what it is. Um, and here in Wes Craven's story about how that whole thing started. I think that that story scares me more than the actual character. Yeah, um, the uh, like the inspiration for Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes, about the dude just like staring at the kid up in the window. Oh man, like creepy shit. Nothing scares me more than like crackheads like that. Like crackheads, are, <laughs> like, crackheads are scary because they have nothing to lose. And like obviously, when you're on crack or on meth or whatever the hell they're on, like they're dialed into to to that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Very intense. Yes, like, exactly. Like that shit scares me Mm -hmm. people on drugs with absolutely (laughs) you know nothing that's gonna stop them from doing sketchy shit so i remove myself very quickly uh as i did all my other friends and i'm like yo we're staying away from these people because that that's what truly fucking scares me it's because these people have nothing to lose let's come back to the freddy nightmares for a minute here you were talking about um about that and obviously i understand the the real life reason leading into that but like what are what are some of the other reoccurring parts of the nightmares um oh man i you know i i used to have dreams that i'd be back on my childhood street but it was elm street instead (laughs) like (laughs) legit elm street i remember i lived on a short little road and at the end was a cemetery if you saw it to this day, you'd be like, oh, my God, this is straight out of a horror movie, you know? And literally, that's where I was projected all the time. And Freddie just always be working. It was never him right in my face. It was always like the Freddie fucking silhouette and stuff like that and his voice. And it was always something around the corner that I couldn't see or something you could feel. You know, in dreams, you could just like feel things you know and he was always around because let's face it in the dream world in those movies freddy's everywhere he can do whatever the hell he wants 
So mm-hmm. I I think that translates more than anything. In, in the movies, you see a lot of, you know, a lot of the cool deaths and stuff like that. But to me, the scary part is like, you're in his world. He knows exactly where you are in that boiler room. And he's trying to fuck with you purposefully. Like he's trying to scare you. Uh, wanted to do a complete 180 here for a second. Ask a different question. Was there a time in your childhood when you felt completely calm? In terms of what? In terms of um, like watching scary stuff or being around like? Uh, no, in general, like just a moment where you felt really safe or happy. I, I I think generally I feel safe, but I can't necessarily pinpoint a moment. Um, I think That's la- fine. later on in life, when when I think I've gained a lot of perspective on life. Um, I, I take measures to make myself safer and that kind of helps, but um, no, I felt pretty safe as a kid. I would say, let me re- rephrase the question. Yes. Instead of saying feeling safe, feeling at peace. I think I have a, a like two sides to myself. I'm one of those like zero to a hundred per type of people. <laughs> and really. I was getting that impression. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, well, you know, and, um, and I think, uh, no, I'm pretty calm. Like I'm, I'm pretty mellow. I like to read the room a lot. I'm always seeing what's happening around me. And if I do start to feel unsafe or whatever, I just remove myself from it. But no, I think generally speaking, I'm pretty, pretty calm until I'm fucking not. I'm just kidding. All right. So, one of the things that has come up in past calls, but sounds like it did, has not come up for you, is it doesn't sound, you pretty much said there's no dividing line for you where it was scary up until a certain moment and then, uh, or, or, yeah, scary until a certain moment and then pleasure after that. It seems like you were, it was always pleasure. There was no, no earlier moment that you can think of when you were actually afraid of anything uh, in terms of horror. Yeah. You mentioned Shredder, Power Rangers. You didn't really specify, but I was kind of thinking with Power Rangers, maybe you're referring to like all the evil monsters that were, you know, that they were always fighting against. Yes, <laughs> indeed. Some of them were pretty creepy as a kid. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where I was leaning when I mentioned uh, the Rambo mask and, and Batman and Superman. It sounded like I, w- I was getting the concept of, you know, good versus evil, hero versus bad guy. And that when you laughed about, you know, zero to a hundred, you know, it's kind of like black or white. It's, it's either this or that. Right. All right. Uh, let's jump into teenage years. Uh, and some people they've stayed with horror through their teens into their adult years. Some people in, in their middle, middle school and, and high school years, they kind of veer away from it into other things and then come back in their adulthood. Mm-hmm. What was it for you? Did you stay with it or did you go away from it and come back? Um, definitely stayed with it for sure. I mean, if you look at that time period when I was watching it, you got a lot of these franchises that have been kind of burned into the ground. So at that point I was learning like actually what a good movie is as opposed to, you know, like Halloween five, which is not a good movie and, and, Mm -hmm. and things like that. So I could, I could start to tell those apart, but, um, I never got away from it. I was just kind of like, Eh, that one sucked. I'm a little turned off by that, but I'll, I'll still give it another chance. 
And again, all these. If you were to pick your, yeah. If you're if you were to pick your top three of your teens, then what would be like the ones that stand out to you the most? Uh, movie wise, yeah. Oh man, um, for my teenage years, usually the first ones that come to mind come to mind for a reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of my third one. I have my first two. <laughs> because okay. this is where everything started to change for me and and, and the ball really started rolling. Uh, much like Lacey Wu, um, in 1996, I was introduced to Scream. Now, not necessarily teenage years. I think I was like 11 or 12. I saw it in the theater. It's close enough. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I, I equate all those. It's just, It was a crazy-ass time. For me, I mean, the Scream series went on into your teenage years, so, so I, I did Hank, yes. Hang on. So you said you had the first two. Is is Scream one of your your first two, or Scream is my? What were the first one. two? Yep, number okay. one and Scream two because I just talked about this the other day as well. Scream two, people forget like Scream was re released in theaters, and Scream two had been made uh, under a year. They fucking. They flew with that shit. They had that movie out quick. Okay. Man, my third one. My. Th- oh, shit. I think. What's the first thing that comes to mind? Uh, Friday the 13th part four, because I realized that that was actually not only like, you know, a Jason movie too, but an actually like a good movie. And I was like, oh, wait, like I can have both because you talk about veering away from it and, you know, that Tarantino and and people like that haven't necessarily came into my life at that point. But again, I am seeing films that are very well made. And to me, that's extremely intriguing um, on top of the horror stuff. I'm like, wait, you can have both. But I never got away from it. No, it was the opposite. Once my teenage years hit. Once Scream hit my life, it changed everything for me. Like, you want to talk about that was probably one of the first movies that, like, truly scared the shit out of me. What scared you about it? Uh, the, the opener was just, uh, it's, it's a very yeah. real thing. It's, it's, it's not a Jason Voorhees where he comes back to life with a fucking lightning bolt. It's just literally <laughs> somebody who throws on a mask and, and just terrorizes. And, and again, with the whole meta thing of them playing off of scary movies mm-hmm. too, I'm like, well, wait, I know that. Oh my God. This is like <laughs> for me. And, and yeah, I was right? like, I identify with this person that's about to be murdered. Right. Exactly. And, and I'm like, this is, this is fucking great. Like, this is so cool. And it also started my love of, of, of mysteries, of whodunit slashers. You know, people often don't talk about that aspect when you talk about slashers, because it is. It's just people dying. But it's also a ton of fucking fun trying to figure out what's happening and who is the killer and why. What's the motive, you know? And, and I really dug that. So, no, I never got away from it in my teenage years. The teenage years are when I was fucking, I hit the NOS button and really went full throttle on that shit. So what did you like about Scream 2 specifically as opposed to Scream 1? Oh, man, how much fucking time you got, man. So the opener, <laughs> I think, is, is, is the greatest opener in, in, in horror film, I think, one, one of. What did you love about it? Uh, the, the fact that they start off without the main characters from the first movie and they're playing on that, like directed by Robert Rodriguez. I didn't know who that was at the time, but like you're seeing the events of the first movie happen on screen just taking all that in in itself was mind-blowing i'm like wait so they made the movie and these people are now watching the movie and now this guy and then that there's and by the way who wouldn't want to go to that fucking screening of stab 
that was the most lit fucking theater ever. Like, oh, yeah, was- right? Like, all the masks and everything everywhere. Like, who, who even does anything like a production like that anymore? Exactly. Right. Yeah. Like, and that's, that's the world I want to live in, you know? And it looked like so much fun. And then obviously to see the characters, um, fall to the hands of Ghostface again. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it was so perfect and truly like scary at some parts when Omar Epps jumps out of the closet when she's on the way back into the theater and he's like, I gotta go take a piss or whatever. And he dies. Like <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Like I just, I love that opening sequence. Then jump to the Randy kill. Nobody saw fucking Randy getting killed in the middle of the daylight, uh, you know, talking shit and, and just gets grabbed in the van. Shocking fucking kill. It felt dangerous. Then flash forward to the next scene where it's one of the greatest chase scenes, I think, in horror movie history as well, where he's chasing fucking Gale and you think Dewey gets it too. And now you're like, man, Wes Craven just pouring it on right now. He's going to kill everybody in this fucking movie. There's so... Oh, uh, the, the car scene where they crash the car and Ghostface is in the fucking driver's seat and they got to climb over him. What? Okay, stop. Yes. Hang on, I want to stop you. So, like, you're you're spitting out scenes, but you're not talking about the emotions. Like, it, like exciting. But why is it exciting? You know what I'm saying? Like, what? Where? What's the gut part of it? It's exciting because it's awesome. Because that's the shit that I want to see. Because that that is scary to me. That's that's fun. That's what I want to see in a horror movie. Right. That's that's what living is to me. It's just being excited about these things. That obviously, like Kevin Williamson, one of the greatest writers. That those are all scenes. Yes, but all those scenes make up for just a fun movie. Like I dissect those scenes, but these are all the scenes that make up the movie. I didn't even fucking mention the Buffy scene, which. Buffy was huge at that time. You can take that scene out of that movie and put that in any fucking slasher movie. And, and, and it'll, it'll play fucking fantastic. I think it, it felt like home. It felt like home and it still does to this day. We throw on scream here. Exact same feeling washes over me as it did the first day. I can remember sitting in that theater and I remember feeling everything that I can still feel the, to this day that is not an easily accessible emotion for me normally but with that in particular direct mainline direct mainline and again it's to, to play off the name of your show it makes me happy it just makes me happy i feel at home i feel like this is this i was put on this fucking earth to love movies like this and i will and uh, hey sign me up coach put me in <laughs> what about uh friday the 13th part four what did you like about that one uh friday four was just again it was it was a great culmination of what i believe to be a well-made movie uh mixed with with an iconic character that i had because it, it's just fantastic i think crispin glover and and that whole group of teens uh it's just so much fun like i always wanted to to go to a lake house with my friends and party. It's just, I always felt like these movies, they just have like the greatest setups, like camp counselors. Like that's just such a great set. I went to camp as a kid. Like I would love, like it just, it's, it's such a fun way to play on those things. And Friday the 13th part four, it's just 
fucking fantastic. I mean, you look at his face even after after that and what, what Savini did with his face, man. It's just so iconic. It was also great seeing it through. Like, I can only articulate this now. I couldn't. I couldn't say this back then, but. As a kid watching these movies, it was the first time that they really introduced the perspective from a kid in Corey Feldman, right? Mm-hmm. So you're, you're getting to see all this mayhem. And, and again, he's a horror movie fan. He loves his masks. Mm-hmm. Like, he's yeah. one of us. Yes. Um, I love the opening shot of that movie. The opening shot, it starts right where the third one weaves off. To me, as a as a movie fit, like this is pre MCU shit, you know. We don't get mid credit scenes, and this just left off right at the barn with the fucking axe in Jason's head. Like, let's go! Everything <laughs> about that movie, I love, dude. I absolutely love it. All right. Um, I mean, other than just the words "fun," "exciting," and "fantastic," the the only things that I I could write down and make notes of is you mentioned the perspective from a kid and the opening scene picking up where the last one left off. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand introducing perspective as a kid. You know, you could relate to that if you were a kid watching it. I can also understand the opening shot picking up where the last one left off because it's kind of like you said, it's, it's picking up exactly where the last one left off. So you're kind of jumping straight into the action is there something else there that I'm missing or is that accurate about what, like what, like what specifically are you asking? Is it something that scares me? Like, is it what, what I love about the movie is it's a good movie. I mean, cinematography, everything about it. It's fun. Crispin Glover's dance. I mean, it's just a lot of fun. There's not much that I take from these movies that are truly like traumatizing. Again, that's fucking reserved for real life shit. This is my comfort zone. This is where I go for fun. I throw in Friday the 13th part four all the fucking time. I'll just let it run, dude. Let it run because it brings me joy. You know, let's jump down to some of the other questions here. So you kind of mentioned the, you know, the real life stuff, what real life stuff was going on in your teens that affected you? Um, so, okay. So a lot. So I had one of my buddies who got uh, smacked by a Mack truck on his way walking to my house. Ooh. So Ooh. that started it off nice and ripe. Then I had a, uh, my best friend was, was murdered by a pedophile, which turned into this big fucking thing in my town where it exposed a church for not only molesting kids, but money laundering. And it, it, like, even at work, everybody's like, I love true crime stuff. I hate it. I hate it. Remember Nancy Grace? Yeah, I was on Nancy Grace. Like, I don't like any of that shit. And that was the first time in my life where, you know, once everything kind of settled down and the trial was underway and, and, and that kind of thing, it was the first time that I actually kind of like had to question or not necessarily watch what I say, but like, you know, your love of horror movies kind of comes into question. Like, well, like your best friend was just like, do like, is that like, do you enjoy that? No, no, no. You don't understand. Like, and you have to go back and, and kind of explain to people. And it was, it's a very odd time because it never felt like that was ever going to come into play until it did in the biggest fucking way possible. You know, yeah, I can see how that would definitely take the fun out of it. Like, you know, it, it goes from, yeah, here's this cool thing that I like. It's a little macabre and dark, but that's why I like it to, 
why do you like these things? Cause this terrible thing happened to you. And you're like, I, I don't want to think about that. When I think about this, this is the fun thing in my life. This is the horrible yes. thing that happened. And one is serious and one is fun. Please stop trying to combine these things. Exactly. Absolutely. hundred percent. And the thing is with, with stuff like that to this day, you know, we were watching the Johnny Depp trial and even that brought back memories for me, just having to show up, uh, you know, on the witness list every day, showing up to court and a lot of bad things happened to me because of that. I can pinpoint it to that, you know, um, that's where I, I started a fucking gnarly drug habit, you know, and it was just a horrible time in my life that I just, I wanted to escape so badly and it trickled on for a good part, if not most of my twenties actually. And it really just had a fucking crazy effect on me. Lots of therapy, lots of that kind of stuff. Uh, it was not easy at all. And again, I just go back to the horror stuff because it's almost like that kind of stuff intrudes on your, on your fun, on your fun space. And it's like, well, wait a minute. But I think being able to tell the difference and, and knowing the difference between these things is, is very key. And, uh, and I yes. do, and, and that's why I'm good with it to this day, but still don't like anything true crime, anything that reminds me of that time in my life. Uh, it's, it's, it's a hard feeling to describe, but it's, it's, it's not a good one. I'll put it that way. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I can appreciate that. And you're right. Uh, being able to tell the difference is, does make all the difference. Yeah. You know, it's the people who can't tell the difference that, uh, you got to kind of watch out for. <laughs> right. Absolutely. So, you know, one of the questions we often ask there is, you know, did it introduce any fears that you hadn't had before? Uh, you know, in this case, you mentioned starting a drug habit and, you know, having to deal with that. Also issues potentially with um, anything related to court dramas, like you mentioned Nancy Grace, uh, you know, not being a fan of that kind of stuff, which is also understandable. <laughs> yes. I guess good good moment here to ask that opposite question again. So in your teen years then, did you can you think of a, one particular moment where you felt at peace or calm? Um, yeah, you know, after all that stuff, you find out really who's, who's going to be there for you. Um, especially through all that stuff for me too, uh, going through all that, it's not an easy time in my life. I probably wasn't the easiest person to be around either. The people that have stuck with me and now, you know, to this day that I've had a chance to kind of make things right. That stuff doesn't happen overnight either. I'm talking like years and years of, look, that's who I was. This is who I am. And this is where, you know, I plan on going. I think that's that more than anything is the thing that sticks with me is the people. It's a very odd way to phrase it. But when, when you do go through things like that uh, together, it does bond people. Mm. And those people I can still call to this day. And I just did it like a month ago or so with my buddy James, this dude I grew, grew up with. And, and we just, he knows exactly what I'm talking about. You know, I don't have to explain like, you know, oh yeah. And what happened with John? He's like, dude, I know. And this is, you know, and he, we can just articulate so many things that, that run the span of, 
practically my entire life to where how are you going to explain that to somebody if you only have like 20 minutes or you're just having a conversation with them they have no context of what you've been through and 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 all that kind of stuff so to have those people man i don't know where i'd be without them those are the people that helped me up they got me back on my feet and and i feel like made me the person that i am today so the the comfort feeling comes from people that truly believe in you it, it's a tough thing to kind of talk about personally but when you have people that are truly there for you they're, they're really i'm sure there are words for it but none that i could personally articulate because i'm not smart enough i'm glad that you have those people me too brother me too yeah. <laughs> um i normally don't bring this up during calls we kind of talk about it sometimes during our um our promo things that we put out every so often. But, you know, one of the reasons that Chris and I are a good pair for doing this is I, I had gone through a number of years counseling and I've got <clears throat> almost 20 years in the 12 step program now. And around my ninth or 10th year, I had written a book putting together a lot of the tools that I had learned from counseling and therapy. And, you know, what you're talking about there a moment ago about how you can have these conversations with people that, you can say something in just a couple words that with anybody with anybody else, you'd have to have multiple hours of conversations for them to understand. Yeah. That was sort of the the whole point behind what I put together, which people in recovery talk about the tools of recovery. And often those tools are just phrases. Like it might just be a, a sentence or even a partial sentence that is like a title of a topic that could be multiple hours of conversation. But after you've gone to these meetings and you've talked about these things and you've listened to them, you know, after you've done that a couple of times, you don't have to have that whole conversation anymore. You just say the phrase and the other person knows immediately what you're trying to say. Yes. And I realized that there was no, there was no resource that gathered those kinds of things together in one location. And that was my, my thing. As I said, I looked around and I realized that there wasn't anything that brought those together. And I said, well, shit, we need to do that. Hmm. So I did, I started writing them down and got to like 80 or 90 of them. Oh, well. And for, this is really going off on a tangent, but you know, when you're in a program, a lot of people will refuse to read anything unless it's considered what's called quote unquote program approved material, which means, for example, if you're in AA, you'll only read stuff that's approved for people in AA and people who are in NA will only read stuff that's approved by NA and, and people quite often will refuse to read stuff that's from another group because they're like, oh, well, that doesn't apply to me. Mm -hmm. And so I had to make this decision. Do I hand it over to the program I'm in and let them publish it as their own thing? Mm. But I didn't want to do that because I felt like these tools were common to probably all the programs and people just didn't talk about them right. or realize it. And right, right. again, cutting the, a long story short, but like when you're talking about this, like I know exactly what you're talking about because I've lived that too. There's yeah. definitely a, it's not just handy, it, although it definitely is also handy to be able to have that kind of shorthand conversation with somebody. Mm-hmm. But like you say, there's also the, the bonding part of it too when you're able to have this conversation, there's something there that makes it feel, I don't want to say comfortable, but right. like 
just knowing that the other person really does understand that like, it's not just a words that there's also the understanding that is there. That's definitely very helpful to help people get through the shit that they need to get through to put it yeah. short. I think, dude, I think context is everything, right? Like mm-hmm. I can't compare myself to anybody because they have their own story too, you know? And I don't know, uh, you know, the thing that I found in the whole recovery thing is what may work for one person is not going to work for another person or it may work, but it may even take like 30 times, you know, like these things are so hard to really pinpoint, you know, I mean, I've told I have PTSD from, from these things and I'm, I've been told this, that, and the other thing, but I also too, I'm a very firm believer in um, I am me now and I've, I've been very successful in certain things in my life that I've literally used the drug thing as my fucking fuel. Like I am not that fucking person anymore. Watch me motherfucker. And it's, it's very, it's a very cocky uh, way of thinking but I don't think it comes off that way because I don't like talk to people that way. This is just me to myself in my head, knowing that I'm better than this, knowing that I've clearly been through the fucking toughest part. This is easy. You went through hell. This should be fucking nothing. And that's how I approach everything. So I just turn it right around and use it as my tackling fuel as Bobby Boucher yeah. said. Hmm. Or, or as uh, for the Game of Thrones fans, as Tyrion had put to Jon Snow, you know, once you once you own what's yours, nobody can use it against you. Yes, uh, dude. People still try and use the shit against me, though. To this day, to this day, and and my my drug problem, I I know like when I talk about it, right, that gives people an open invitation to then talk about it. Like it just happened like last year. Like, no, this is, it's been quite a long time, but well, there's also a difference between talking about it and trying to use it as a weapon against. Correct. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, and that's discussion. And then there's that. Right. And I've noticed that that's just one of those things in life that I'm always going to have to deal with. But again, I welcome that shit because like you're talking to the, to the one that's 24 years old, man, I like talk to me now. And like, I guarantee you'll be like talking to a completely different person. So I love when people underestimate me. That's, that's fantastic. Cause that way, (laughs) you know, nothing but up. So adult years, uh, if you were to pick the top three things that, uh, stand out to you the most in horror, what would the top three things be for your adult years? In my adult life, I, uh, <laughs> first three things at top of the head. When hostile came out, that shook me. Yeah. Okay. That's probably one of the scariest fucking movies ever because that could truly could happen. happen. Right. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah, my friend and I went to Europe and we're like, I, I mean, in retrospect, it was something like a thousand or fifteen hundred kilometers. I'll use their terms away. Uh, but just looking at it on a map, I'm like, dude, we are right next to Bratislava. We are not going. Yeah. There. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it also, um, you know, uh, being a huge fan of Eli Roth, he was he's from Massachusetts and being from oh, Massachusetts too. Yeah, yeah, from Newton, Massachusetts. Yeah. Oh, also, I'll even backtrack and say Cabin Fever because I saw Cabin Fever in a theater by myself, 
huh? and then find out the making of that movie and how Eli Roth had no money and had to borrow money from his aunt to make the damn movie. And <laughs> that for me was a changing point because I am not a filmmaker. I have so much respect for people that make movies though. And it truly excites me. Like I would love to make a movie someday, but just knowing that these people, you know, you, you talk to Tarantino or Eli Roth and these people spent years and years on sets, just getting coffee, just know how a sets run and stuff like that. And, and to me, that turned into something very obtainable for me. It was more of, um, oh, this is real. Like, this is a realistic thing that is achievable and attainable if you have this, 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 and this. I mean, obviously, it's not that easy, but it provided kind of a step-by-step how-to uh, to get into the business and to, you know, go about these things. So that was a that was a big thing for me, uh, Eli Roth films. Okay, so that's two. Maybe you cut out or I skipped it or missed it or something but what was the second movie that you mentioned oh um it was hostile and then cabin fever is Ca- oh that's right yeah 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 2003 and i believe 2000s i forget when hostile came out but i remember that being a huge resurgence for me cool let's go back to cabin fever for a minute yes what did you like about it as a movie i i remember going to see it and it was it was by myself and you know everything that was shot, it was like, Hey, you know, this is a real movie. It's got Ryder strong in it. It had kind of a, uh, not a CW feel, but it kind of that where, you know, it's, yeah. it's tip, right. Like typical kind of setup with the teenagers and whatever. And I didn't know what it was about. Uh, yeah. It's flesh eating virus, but we don't know what it is. Just found it very intriguing, but again, didn't necessarily happen during the movie itself. The movie I loved but I was like, something made me want to look into it more. And then as I looked into it more, loved it even more, you know, rented it as many times as I could. And just, it just opened, it opened up a door for me, you know, and that's where I can pinpoint it obviously started when I saw the movie. Hmm. Hmm. Have you seen the reboot? I have not. No, I have not. I have, I have no I've, desire to watch the reboot. <laughs> I've heard good and bad things. Like it's, it's not, you know, one of those, oh, this ruined my childhood or, or my original view of this. I, I don't know. I've heard good and bad things. Right. Yeah. I, I, it's like a shot for shot remake. Right. Like, I, I'm yeah, not saying I think that's the bad thing that I heard. It was like, it's like, all right, this is exactly the same thing with just different actors. Why? Yeah. Why? Why? I don't, I don't understand. It's like the psycho remake. Like what? Cause Vince Vaughn's what would you awesome. Say is- <laughs> what would you say was your favorite thing about the movie? Yeah. Uh, Cabin Fever? Yeah. I love the ending. It was, uh, it's very reminiscent, <laughs> uh, obviously, of other horror films. Oh, and by the way, uh, learning, uh, you know, seeing the movie for what it is, and then you really start to watch it. And as I watch it now, you can see all its influences. Like, this is the Texas Chainsaw mm-hmm. shot. This is the Evil Dead <laughs> shot. And so that, to me... Is, is the is the type of filmmaker that's like attractive to me because it's like I love horror movies. This is gonna be my you know ode to Raimi and 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 all these other things. And they put it in their own movie and they make it their own. But yeah, that that ending is fantastic. The dude, who just, and I, I also love how it does play. Hang 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 on. So are you saying that you loved it because it was a reference to some other movie? 
oh no, I love, I love, I mean, they've done it in other movies, but when he walks out and he thinks he's escaped it, and then they all just fucking shoot him. <laughs> ah, okay. it's, a, it's a fantastic ending. It's that's his way of avoiding the, uh, the virus is to go hide out in a cave and it does work for him for the duration of the movie, but then he comes back and gets lit the fuck up and it's just fantastic. Yeah. And they start taking the bodies and putting them in a pile. You know, it's just, it's fantastic. I love it. Okay. I'm trying to think of, there's a word for what you described that they do in the ending there. And I, I, the word is escaping me. It's not betrayal, but it's something like that. Like, Subverting yeah. expectations. Yeah. He's literally I yelling, I fucking did it. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> In a dark way, it's almost reminiscent of the, uh, the end of nightmare. Or, um, Night of the Living Dead, you know. Well, that's what that's that's what I was thinking too. Yeah, that was the movie. Oh, or like, um, you know, I was rewatching uh, Red State the other day, and yeah, yes. there's a similar thing with that in the end where the kids are making it out. John Goodman's character is talking about you know maybe negotiating, but then you got the one soldier who's just been given orders, and he's like, "No, everyone here dies." That's that's the story. So mid conversation, before you can think about what's going to happen, bam, dead, bam, yes. dead. Well, <laughs> shit, that was that was one of the protagonists. Right. Okay. All right, I guess right. the movie's over. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and, you know, uh, you, you said three examples. I, I know those are two Eli Roth films. There is one more that I feel like this movie is highly underrated, and this was very big for me personally, was um, Stephen King's uh, Secret Window with Johnny Depp. Yeah. That was the one with Shooter, right? Where he had the weird hat? Yes. With fucking sh- yes absolutely um not necessarily like a unique premise it's been done how many times before yeah at the same time like you know i don't know you going it. like i yeah. yeah it's not a unique twist or premise but i still didn't expect it until it happened right and and it's so great what he does i mean even with his hat it's like it kind mm-hmm. of is reminiscent to freddy krueger in a way at the end <laughs> And bit, to, to, go, to go back to the OG even. And I, you know, nobody's ever said this, but I, well, maybe they have said it, but I've never actually heard this echoed. But why don't they fucking put Johnny Depp as Freddy Krueger? First of all, he's Mr. Makeup, right? And and he could fucking do it. And that obviously brings it back to the OG original movie too. I always thought Johnny Depp would be a fantastic Freddy Krueger. Now that you say that, I can see that. Right? I just made three levels of shocked faces as you were describing that. <laughs> like, like fucking Vince McMahon over here. Ah! Oh, ah! Oh. <laughs> With the eyes glowing. Yes. <laughs> yes. And also, yes, because it would bring it back to the first one. Holy shit. Johnny Depp right. is Freddy Krueger. Let's make this happen now. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I just love that movie, though. It's so much fun. It's it's Freddy. Freddy Scissorhands. Yes. See? Yeah. He's, <laughs> he knows how to work the clock. <laughs> exactly, dude. Uh, but no, that was just a big movie for me. And, you know, I'm not the biggest Stephen King fan out there. Like I like a lot of the adaptations, but there's a lot that I don't like. And I think he's very wordy. Um, and <laughs> yeah. It takes a while to fucking get there sometimes, but I don't know that movie for me, it was one of those. I'm very well aware that this has been done before. Uh, it's not doing anything new, but I just love this movie. I love just a dude. Let, let me, let me, let, let, let me stop you and, because yeah. when you and Chris were going back and forth, you were using vague references that you both understood, but someone who hasn't seen the movie 
I had no fucking clue what you're talking about. So, <laughs> so what did you like about the movie to somebody who's never seen the movie before? Oh, it's, it's a mystery. Uh, uh, obviously you don't know exactly what's happening. This guy shows up and he says, you stole my story. And he basically terrorizes him. And, uh, and he's a writer. He lives well. He just got a divorce or he's going through a divorce. I should say, Oh, wait a minute. I think someone, hang on. I think maybe a, a previous guest did mention this one. Is, it, is he a writer that goes out to some? Okay. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. There's, I, I will, uh, I, I will explain this in the way that I explain everything else by simile to, uh, something else. Um, casserole. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, it's, um, you seen, uh, the dark half. Yes. Steve. Yeah. I think he was asking. I got some, I know, I know he was, but I was like, oh God, he knows about the dark half. Uh, you know, I'm bad with names. So like, if I did see it, I probably wouldn't remember that it was called the dark half. So. It was about an author who had a vestigial twin that was uh, basically an eyeball and a tooth inside of his brain, but the twin was absorbed into him. And the twin right. was actually the one who was really writing his books the whole time. So it's, it's Got one it. of those, you have another uh, if I may borrow a phrase from Dexter, a dark passenger but, um, <laughs> writing in the back of your mind, who's actually doing all the work. And then, you know, he comes to the forefront saying, I've, I've been carrying you this whole time, bitch. So malignant without all the violence. Yes. Yes. <laughs> malignant with uh, believable action. <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> uh, all right. So you like the mystery of it. What, what else did you like about it? Oh, Johnny, it's the Johnny Depp show, man. Everybody talks about how he's the Mad Hatter, how he's Mr. Fucking Tim Burton, weird makeup dude. This is Johnny Depp and he's just straight acting the whole movie right in the camera. And then once the end hits, I, again, I don't want to give anything away, but it's just full on like, oh shit. Okay. And his performance in it, as well as John Turturro's. I mean, Totoro's yeah. fantastic in this movie. Uh, truly creepy. I love the just everything about it. The 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 the, the cabin in the woods setting, right? Uh, and and just the claustrophobic uh, kind of atmosphere that it gives. And mm-hmm. so, I would recommend everybody if you haven't seen Secret Window, go see it because a lot of people are just mad on it, but it's one of my favorite movies. I think it's brilliantly done. So the first thing that you said about it was the ending about it being, as you said, full on, oh shit. Yep. I'm, I'm starting to see a pattern because what I said a minute ago about cabin fever, I, there was a word for what I was looking for, but I couldn't find it. It was like going, we mentioned earlier, going from zero to a hundred, uh-huh. that was going from a hundred to zero mm-hmm. and, and that, and then this full on, oh shit, you know, we had earlier conversation in this call about basically what I would say is going to extremes. It's, all or nothing, you know, shock and awe. Yeah. Like I'm wondering if that's a theme. Well, yeah. The quote in the movie is one of the famous quotes. Of- I mean, the theme for you, not just the movie. Yo, hundred percent, but it's all about the ending. <laughs> it's all about the ending. You got to stick the landing. Or if I may, it's all about that. We have just lost cabin pressure moment. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, no, I just, uh, I'm very passionate about things. Like I like, I don't feel like there's too much that like people shouldn't address or talk about. I don't know. I I just feel like things matter in life. And I know a lot of people probably feel different, like in terms of 
oh, my personal preference for this movie or that movie. But I think you're right. A common thing with me is just like, I like to go full on, just give me everything you got. Cause why the fuck not? We're all going to fucking die eventually. Like there's no reason why you shouldn't give it everything you got because in retrospect, you look back at that and that's where my sense of pride comes from. You know, I've gotten involved with friends and done things in my life, you know, created businesses and, you know, put on music festivals and done so much fun shit, man. I was fucking followed around by a camera crew for a reality TV show that wasn't made one time for the discovery channel. None of that would have happened if I didn't do a podcast before that. That's how I met the dude Mm -hmm. fucking that I was in the back of a truck shoveling with. He's like, you do a podcast. He listened to it. He's like, yep, let's do this. Had the fucking camera. So many things happen that you can't anticipate. Like, there's no reason why me doing a horror podcast could translate to that, but it did. So give it your all, give everything that you fucking got in life. And you may not see that it comes from this angle, but all the good things in my life have led to other good things. And it's just been stepping stones for me. So again, yeah, like I'm kind of a full throttle type of person. I don't, I don't see any... I don't see any reason at giving fucking 70% on everything. What's the fucking point? Why are you even here? Like, give me your all. Because half-ass is easier and and not as hard. And those are the people that don't make a fucking (laughs) difference ever. Those are the ones that just live by the wayside and they watch fucking, you know, other people do their shit. And they're just like, ah, and ah, like, I want to do that. Yeah, well, fucking work for it. Be a Tom Savini. Show up at 6 a.m. every day, bitch. Speaking on behalf of those other people, I grew up, I won't say full throttle, but as, you know, teacher's pet and always getting 100, 100, 110 on every test type of thing. And as someone who was raised by someone who was very driven and always a worry wart and, you know, never good enough, I struggled with a lot and still sometimes do struggle with a lot of anxiety. And for me, part of what I needed to do as an adult is to back off of that some and realize that I want to be careful how I would say this, but for me, I felt I needed to back off of it a little bit. No, no, um, I think I see where you're coming from. You know, if you give everything 110%, you're eventually going to exhaust yourself and you do have to pace yourself. Well, and, but to speak to what he said, if, if he wants to do that, that's fine. You know, let him, I, I don't have a problem with him doing that, yeah. but Know your own boundaries. To defend my yes, to defend defend myself, uh, <laughs> you can you can still do good things if it, you get to choose how much you want to put in. But anyway, let's jump down to some of the um, the wrap up questions here because there's still about maybe f- seven, eight, ten here that I want to ask. And speaking now over your entire life, not just about any particular section and not just horror, but if you were to pick one favorite movie what would you say it would be? And what movie have you watched more times than any other? And it could be two separate movies for these two questions or same. What do you, what do you think? I mean, this uh, is a tough one. First one comes to mind. Days are confused. hundred percent. Okay. Okay. For both. Yep. I watch it all the time. Again, <laughs> much like scream. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's a main line to nostalgia for me that, and it's a feeling that can't be replicated with uh, any other movie. So given that, does, does that just like horribly skew your, uh, your view when watching films like Oculus? Like you're just like, God damn it. I can't see you as any other character. 
<laughs> Slater, let's go get high, man. I couldn't believe that was Slater, to be honest with you. I had I I only noticed that on like third watch, and that was every movie I see him, and I'm just like, you're fucking Slater. Where's the hat? Right? <laughs> yeah. No, I just I love Days of Confused. I mean, I know a lot of people probably say this about that movie, but. It, it, it really does depict uh, just kind of a day in the life in high school and growing up in high school. It was, it, I had a lot of fun in high school. Is, is it nostalgic because it references a more innocent time in your life? Like what, what makes it nostalgic to you? So yeah, that, well, if you look at that movie, I mean, it's last day of school. Everybody remembers the last day of school, the, the, the energy and everybody's just fucking, you know, throwing away their books and everybody's signing each other's yearbooks. Like, I, I don't know about you guys, but I look back and those were great times for me. You know, I, high school was very easy because it was a very social place. Like, there's just a lot going on. Later on in life, you have to reach out to people a lot. Keeping in touch is a lot harder. And mm-hmm. Days and Confused was just, it just reminded me of a day in the life, you know, and times. and there's, there's a line at the end where, oh man, like I just, I'm getting goosebumps even thinking about it. But when McConaughey is just like, uh, you know, uh, going up to get those fucking Aerosmith tickets and he's just like, get my second wind or whatever he says. And, <laughs> and it's just those endless party nights with your friends. And that's what life's all about to me is, is is the, those good times and um being you know having those experiences i'll always have them in my head and look look fondly on them so yeah it was like it's a direct mainline into kind of what it was like growing up but it's just watching that movie so much fun too like i can quote that whole fucking movie not speaking so much to the words that you've been saying but more to i guess the emotion that i'm i'm getting from them it almost sounds like you know if we were talking about all the other stuff in this call being you know zero to a hundred or one end or the other it almost sounds like after a day of being at zero or a hundred this movie is almost like your come down you know Mm. yeah 100 percent. yep i would i would definitely agree with that do you see any do you see any common threads about what kinds of horror you like cannibalism occult metaphysical monsters i'd say slashers does that count? Yeah. yeah. Slashers is kind of my thing, man. I mean, you know, when you get into the psychological stuff, it's it's hard for me to say, like, that genre because there are certain movies within that genre. But as a whole, eh, you know. No, I could see that. I mean, like, if I were to give a summary at this point, I would say, you know, zero to 100 and extremes have come up quite a bit. And I could see how slashers kind of fits into that uh, as well. Right. And if you want to talk zero to hundred, I'm probably like a 20 on this podcast. I can go higher. I, I, I go <laughs> <to 11. laughs> this one goes to 11, but no, I'm, I'm actually quite subdued right now. <laughs> Relatively speaking. Right. Exactly. Uh, any idea why it is that you like that? Like uh, the extremes. Oh, uh, oh, extre- well, I, again, I, I try and put emphasis on things that truly matter to me. And, and that may not matter to other people, but the more emphasis that I put into, like, and I double down on the things that I truly believe in, I do feel like it pays off and it makes my life better for doing those things. 
conviction. You got to have some conviction. Um, and having conviction in certain areas of my life has kind of made up for who I am. And again, they've all led to good things. It's never bad stuff, you know? Um, a lot of bad shit happens in life. And I feel like the stronger I am with, with those things, then, then I'm more apt to kind of deal with them in a way where it won't be, you know, destructive to myself or anybody else or, you know. Do you, do you think that doubling down has never paid off in the negative for you? Or do you just, you just think you've been lucky in those terms? Oh, I've been wrong a bunch of times. Like I'll swing in this, but I constantly adjust. Like if I, if I try something and it goes horribly wrong, like, okay, won't do that again. I'm a quick fucking learner. You know, like I just don't do that again. And I, and again, just double down on what you know. You know, I think life is constantly making adjustments, you know, take this one down to 60, move this one up. Okay. So doubling down on what you know is a good qualifier. Cause that's what I was thinking is, you know, I'm imagining someone go- hearing this and going, okay, I'll double down on everything. And then end up dead. It's <laughs> well, like, it, like it, it there, there could be a bad payoff on doing that. <laughs> it depends on what we're talking about specifically. You know, you, you could, we could talk about 10 different things and I could probably give you a different answer uh, on all of them. But I, I do think the common thread is mainly what I'm talking about is just hard work. I, I, I see a lot of people, you know, starting YouTube channels and, and they, they wonder why their fucking YouTube channels don't pop off right away and stuff like that. And they don't put in work and, and, you know, it's, it's all been good for me. You know, um, it's all decision-making is obviously at times, like I'm not like I'm, I'm wrong a lot. But again, I can read the room pretty well and I often adjust and I try and I try and do as much good as possible. But with the full throttle thing and zero to a hundred, uh, mainly what I mean is just go hard on what you're good at. And for me, it's never really been a bad thing ever. So why horror? Because couldn't you find that same kind of thing in action movies or sports or I'm trying to think of what else, but yeah. you know, there's there, I would say that there are other genres that definitely incorporate that zero to 100 thing. Well, I'm from new England. <laughs> I just, that there's a perfect example. Sports too, like Celtics in the yeah. finals. Like, come on. Okay. Let me, let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase the question. Oh yeah. Do, do you, okay. So it sounds like maybe you're already answering the question for me. I was going to say, uh, do, do you also then feel the same way about other genres Hundred percent. or, okay. So it's not just horror for you. It's, it's full throttle in other areas too. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. With sports, with, uh, with, with again, yo, I'm so passionate about Dawson's Creek. Like, ask me any question about Dawson's Creek. Like, I'm so excited to answer. Like, I, I like we, we talked to people that we were going to start a podcast with this dude, Craig, who's you actually probably know him. Great dude. But uh, he, he worked on Dawson's Creek and like, we'll sit there and talk for hours on it. And I'll be so passionate about it. And I just love it. And that has nothing to do with horror. Oh, I guess Kevin Williamson. But yeah. Hmm. 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 Okay. So it's maybe for you not so much about horror as much as that horror is another avenue for you to maybe get the rush, so to speak. 
I'd say horror is my number one. Like Dawson's Creek is like my side bitch. Like Tom Brady and all that. <laughs> no, um, yeah, like anything. Okay, so I'm trying to think. Like this year, right? I am super fucking excited for Hocus Pocus for Wednesday to come out. Uh, for even fucking the monsters. Like I don't care. So if this is if so if horror is, is your number one, then I, I the natural question there is then why is it your number one? I mean, I yeah. I think I could probably already figure it out, but I'll ask anyway just for the purpose of it. Why would you say horror is your number one? Darkness. No, I'm just kidding. I'm- <laughs> <laughs> Black midnight evil motherfuckers. Yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, really, it's just, it, I don't know. I wish I had like a clean cut answer for that, but I just, yeah, okay. I, I love it so much. And it just, maybe it just provides uh, a, a, a fake reality to where fucked up shit can't happen. And there are no, consequences um as opposed to some of the stuff that i talked about in my real life to where i want no part of that whatsoever well i think it i think for example if you're into the adrenaline of it adrenaline of it even from a fantasy aspect there's a difference between the fantasy of the risk of death versus the fantasy of winning touchdown you know there's even in the in the fantasy aspect there's a different amount or different flavor if you will yep. of the adrenaline rush between those two different kinds of things so that's what i was saying i i could kind of figure it out myself but i wanted to give you the opportunity to, to speak on it yourself yeah i uh, really last question i guess then is is there anything that you've thought of during this call or that might be relative relevant that we haven't discussed like something that hasn't come up um yes there is what I honestly, truly, I, I think you guys are doing something special with this podcast. I like your approach. I like how you're evoking things that not are not normally talked about on podcasts. Um, I've been doing podcasts for a lot of years, and often it's like, hey, let's talk about this movie, you know, <laughs> as we're going to do on Cut to the Chase uh, after this. But, like, let's talk about this movie, and it's very atypical. And while these subjects may come up, it's never, like, you know, it's kind of like the focus, right? Yeah. It's never the focus and you guys are making it a focus. And I do think that what you guys are doing uh, is important. And I just want to say that I really appreciate that. And uh, yeah, I see you guys. Appreciate that. Yeah, thank, yeah. You. thank you. Absolutely. Before we wrap up moment to pitch or push, whatever you want to talk about. I know you mentioned the, uh, Cut to the chase. Or anything else you're working on besides that or in addition? Uh, yeah, man. So one of the first podcasts I ever kind of got into was um, was with a couple hosts, Vincent Paul and Michael J. And they did Rabbit and Red Radio on HorrorBit.com. Um, HorrorBit is no longer, but Rabbit and Red lives. And in a full circle kind of way, uh, Lacey Lou and I, both now host that show. So that's a live show um, pretty much every Wednesday. We shoot for every Wednesday that we do on YouTube, uh, Facebook, where it's a lot of fun. My buddy, Michael J., uh, super producer, Michael J., man, this is the dude that I started with back in, in 2012 in the whole podcasting game. And he is just living his best life because now he's a super producer. He's putting in clips our entire show. It's just a lot of fun. It's interactive. You can jump in the chats for that one. So rabbit and red radio on top of our normal show, cut to the chase, which will be kicking off our uh, new season of thrills and chills where we cover horror movies. We, we do a lot of the Simpsons treehouse of horror. Uh, you both mm-hmm. are 
definitely welcome to come on. I'd love for you guys to come on and, and uh, have some fun on some of those episodes. Uh, sure, I also do a show called Cut to the Cartoon Commentary, where we just basically do exactly what I just said. Uh, talk over, you know, episodes of Beavis and Butthead or Simpsons mm-hmm. or whatever, you know. We have a lot of fun with that. And then Lacey Lou has another slew of shows that are under the cut to the chase banner so i urge everyone to check those out as well and uh that's where that's where it's at cool yeah i've um intentionally been withholding on checking out cut to the chase because i i like to come into these interviews with a blank slate and uh especially knowing that you recently uh interviewed rodrigo and i want to keep a blank slate for that one too i've been holding off but uh, i saw you guys recently posted something about orphan which i saw not too long ago so i'm for- looking forward to checking that out oh man orphan was fucking fantastic can i ask you a question Sure. All right. So without having met me uh, previously, what are your thoughts on me? Uh, Just like if you were to describe me in two sentences without using uh, the term obnoxious. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'll go first. Damn it. Because I've got Um, no. Sure. Go, Chris, go ahead. Down to have a beer with you sometime. It would last hours. Those are my two sentences. <laughs> the beer would not get touched because you guys know, right? Talking like it would just sit there the whole time. <laughs> um, well, having having talked to you now, uh, obviously, you know, full throttle would have to be in the sentence somewhere. Probably down to earth would be in there as well. Um, yeah, there's there's a good bipolar descri- description. Down to earth, full throttle. <laughs> I like right. it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you can't go full throttle without having friction. So, right. Otherwise, the tire just spins. You don't go anywhere. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for mentioning the tires. Is that a sex joke? Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> you said friction. I'm, per- I'm perpetually thirteen. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's those are the first two things that i mean because when we were talking about like some of the real shit that's happened in your life obviously you know that there's some real shit uh so that's where the down earth part of it came from um and, and i mean it's good to have i don't want to say it's good to have that but it's good to have a balance between like we said earlier knowing about you know what what's fantasy and what's reality that that is a very big important thing that a lot of people struggle with not even just who are horror fans but you know people who go through life and i've known people who are into role play that don't know how to turn off right like it it's you gotta you gotta know when to turn off right (laughs) i guess kind of goes back to what i said earlier about you know always being raised to be you know this go-getter and always 100 110 percent and then learning at some point in my adult life to go i need i need to learn i need to know how to turn that off right and back off a little bit. Absolutely. Cool. Well, thank you very much for your time. Mm-hmm. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you guys for having me. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you to anybody out there uh, listening. Please do come visit us at HorrorMakesUsHappy.com. We've got a list of people there we'd like to interview. I'll just cut it short and say, if you like what we're doing, let us somebody know, because we're still in growth mode. So help us out. Yeah.